Hello and welcome back to Tension of Opposites. I cannot believe that I am actually closing this cycle. It's weird. Um, last episode of the US series. And I just want to start this by thanking you guys. It's so nice to see friends, family and new additions to this podcast family. They're listening to my journey and hopefully enjoying it. My biggest hope is that you're getting new insights about this experience and how it can be difficult and different and formative, mainly. I don't think anyone who knows me that close, if they haven't done the experience themselves, can really understand how big of an impact it has had on me. I don't think people believe me when they when I say that. I was a very, very different person before I left, especially character-wise. And this is the point that I want to drive home following the crisis episode. Because the crisis, I feel like it comes... When you're at a point where you're really struggling to maintain the person that you are creating in an environment that is completely new to you. Because the person that I was when I was back home, if I were to think of myself at the beginning of high school, is someone that kind of disappeared in the background. I always had this impression of myself that whether I would go to school that day or not, no one would really miss me. And I don't want to make this very sappy and sad about, oh god, yeah, she was a bit of a loser or shy in high school or whatever. It Just to show you how much of an experience and of a change you manage to get whatever personality you have to start with when you are thrown into an environment that is not yours. And you do realize that these people around you do not have any frame of reference. And you have the possibility to create whoever you want to be. And there's so much power out of this, but obviously you don't really know how to control it. And eventually you start to really reconnect with yourself in a different way. If in the beginning you have the creative liberty to just test the waters and see what you can be, how much you can push your new personality, I think the crisis is when you realize that if you're just creating a persona... Nothing can be kept up for so long if it's not really genuine and honest and true to yourself. And that's when you really start to settle in and you get into a point where you really want to adjust. We are finally at phase number three. Recovery. Recovery comes in February. If I think of February, I think of recovery. <laughs> and um, I had gotten back to my hometown after the trip with my parents must have been beginning of February at this point, yes, maybe the first or second week of February. And as I had said in the last episode, I was ready to just continue with my year abroad, but really make the most out of it in the most sincere way. So it wasn't, I have to make up for lost time. It was just like, okay, evaluating the situation. This is where I'm at right now. These are the friends that I think that I have. This is the relationship that I have with my family. How can this be as true and as real and as open as possible, and as serene as possible as well? A point in time in which I wanted to fully settle in. And there's a lot of power in that when you start to see that normalcy is actual normalcy. It's not you just getting used to the novelty that has worn off and trying to see what is really going on. It's you really accepting that as your place at that point in time. And I'd gotten the results from those state exams that I had done in January, and I had passed them. So that obviously gave me a bit more confidence. And I was trying to find a less stressed out routine, because the persona that I wanted to create when I was in the States was someone who 
knew everyone, that everyone liked. I really, really sought out the validation in a way that I had never done before. And I wanted to be someone that people took into consideration, that people acknowledged, that people wanted to hang out with. So in the midst of that, I think I really lost myself in trying to be with everyone at all times, trying to be that person that is always there, that is always present, that is liked. And I think, I have to admit, probably liked more compared to the other exchange students, which is not a very nice thing to do, but the comparison is inevitable, especially in the beginning, as I said, they kind of like put you in a category and for them, you are all the same. You really want to find a way in which you are standing out as the person who actually has a nice personality and that is life. The routine was coming a bit more natural to me. It wasn't that much understanding who were my real friends, because I don't think that I really got to a point where I had my group of friends. I never had my clique it was more understanding how I could balance it out in a way that just made me feel okay without feeling that I had to like run over the place just to be with everyone. So I realized that it really could change according to what I was doing at the time, which I feel is what everyone else did as well. So if in the first period I had those friends, I would hang out with those friends at that time. And I would go to another class and then be friends with the people at that class. And then Lunch probably was the place where, yeah, you really feel like you have more your people that you hang out with. But even in that case, it would be narrowed down to two main groups that I would hang out with. And at that time, I had also met this other girl, which ended up being a very important person in my year abroad. She was the only one where probably I got a bit more creepy. And when I met her, I was like, oh my god, I want her to be my best friend. She can be my best friend. (laughs) She was a bit of an outsider. Every once in a while, you would find that person which would just kind of do their own thing and every once in a while appear in group appearances, if that makes sense. And she was one of them. And I don't really remember how I met her, but sometimes I think you really feel that. You go around and you think, okay, this could be my friend. This could be my best friend that I do things with, like you would imagine in the movies and so on. She, I guess, was the most stable friendship that I had outside of the usual three, four people that I would be meeting here and there. There was a bigger focus on wanting to focus better on school, wanting to have specific interests, wanting to understand what I actually do like. Now it was trying to understand, okay, I actually prefer doing this thing over that thing. Same thing in terms of friends. Same thing in terms of activities with my family, and so on. It was a very mellow month, but it brought so much serenity because of that. Because it was a month where nothing extraordinary for the first time in a long time was happening. My day-to-day life felt doable. My day-to-day life felt something that I was liking, that I had created. I was surrounding myself with activities and goals and purposes that I was really, truly enjoying. It was the first time that it wasn't superimposed on me by what the expectations of a year abroad are. It was the first time that I was actually finding my niche and seeing what were things that were interesting me rather than, okay, by this point of the year abroad, I should have done this, this and that. I should have been with this person, so I should have done all these experiences, what am I missing out on? No, I was really delving into the normalcy of it. And it really felt, it felt calming. It felt peaceful for the first time after like a long crisis period. And I remember one of the examples of this was the only holiday, which I hate to even call holiday, to be honest, was Valentine's Day. As the many holidays in the States, 
is one of those opportunities where they really make something out of nothing. So you would imagine it, or my idea of it is this day where couples get to celebrate their love, blah, blah, blah. I've always been very cynical about it. But in the States, like for Halloween, like for Thanksgiving, everything becomes that holiday, ex-holiday themed. So I would see that mainly in the grocery store. You get to the grocery store, everything is with hearts, with balloons. And I just remember seeing it, I was like, oh God, this is going to be so much more depressing than usual. I went to school the following day, prepared for the worst. And in reality, it turned out to be such a nice and inclusive holiday. So... I was going from class to class and everyone was just giving me stuff. They were giving me chocolates, they were giving me balloons. It became an excuse to make a celebration out of nothing. But even if it wasn't something that was maybe directed to that person, I was unaware of the concept of Galentine's Day, but that's what they did. They've always found a way to go around these things and I thought that was really cool. School was going good-ish, like the results were going okay. I was picking things up. I was actually dedicated to studying because... This was my second semester, so it was the most important one, and I was actually graduating at the end of this, so I was more focused on that. Family-wise, everything was going pretty good. And then this was the time where I was actually starting to have a bigger insight into the lives of my other friends, whether they be exchange students or non-exchange students. I was going to my friends' houses a lot after school to do homework projects, and it was interesting because I was seeing people of different backgrounds, different countries. I had a lot of Mexican friends and I loved it. I loved the culture. I loved the people. I loved the hospitality. I loved everything. I could see that there was a difference also in the families that were hosting the other exchange students. So just to backtrack a little bit, I had come with a German exchange student. We had gotten into this family. The family didn't work out. From there, I went into my family. She went into hers. And the coordinator had hosted an exchange student herself. This other Swedish exchange student, I had gotten very close with her, especially during this time period. We had become very, very close. Things didn't work out with the coordinator. All the other host families, all of them were first-time host families. So everyone had their very, I guess, unique way of raising. And for mine, I think, was a method that worked out best because they trusted me and they said, we're going to give you full trust and then we'll work it out, played by the year and... If we don't like something, then we can discuss it one by one. Instead, when we had gone to the coordinator's house, that week or two weeks that we had stayed there, she had a very rigid sense of discipline to the point that she had a board where she wrote down the chores and the chores were categorized per cleaning, trash or whatsoever. And also the kids had chores and the kids were young. They were very young. I remember that and I thought that was very peculiar <laughs> for lack of a better term. So I knew that they were getting along very well. And I think my friends stayed there, if I'm not mistaken, I think until October. And it just got awkward because when she was her host daughter, obviously the coordinator could not legally be her coordinator. But once she got out of the family, her coordinator became her coordinator again, because she was the only one in the area. So the coordinator was the one who had to find her new host family. And I know that this is not new. In many cases happens like this, but I can only imagine how awkward that must be. So she ended up in a new family and I started hanging out at my friend's place a lot as well and I got to see the dynamics of other host families. There is a comparison that ensues when you are seeing what other families are doing, if maybe the families are treating the other students better than your family is treating yours, if they're giving you more or less gifts, you're going on more or less trips. You are obviously 
unconsciously also noticing all these little things. And I couldn't really get if they were really getting along or not, but we were getting along with the mom and they had planned to go to Phoenix. So the mom wanted to go with a couple of her girlfriends and she wanted to take the exchange student and they invited me. And this was the first time that I was going on a trip without my host family. So I didn't know how that was going to work out, but I was super excited. I was really getting along with my friend and so I really wanted to do this. So we go to Phoenix. First trip where I do not have my quote-unquote legal guardians. I think we go there for a weekend. I liked Phoenix a lot. I thought about that a lot. I was thinking if I had been in a capital city, would I have enjoyed it more? Would I have enjoyed it less? And the downside to Phoenix is that it's so far away from everything else. Whereas maybe my town was like a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, but it was so well connected. It's a very strategic connection. And as for the trip itself, it was a very weird trip. We didn't enjoy it that much. The mom was a bit in this phase where she was youngish. All of them were young. But I think for my culture and my upbringing, anyone who is in a parental position, I still have a certain respect towards authority that is very different compared to someone who is just youngish. So to me, I, I really do not remember how old they were, but I think all the parents more or less must have been around, I'm going to say between 35 and 40, which it's relatively young. Some of them would have this very like young way of dealing with things. And the host mom, her host mom was a lot like that. So she had her girlfriends, they were chatting about. We didn't really feel included into the trip. We felt a bit like a tag along that wasn't really invited kind of thing. So we thought that maybe the trip was for the sake of doing a trip, for showing us a place that we had never seen before, to spend some time together, which we did, obviously. But it really did seem like an excuse for them to do their trip and for us to just happen to be there and tag along. So that was awkward. And then also, I think there's also a different way of treating people, especially when there's a big age difference. We would see them as the authority, as the parental position. If you're going out to lunch, you don't really expect to be paying. I know that this is not the reality for everyone. Maybe some people do pay, some people don't. But in general, if you're having two minors that are at the dinner table, it comes natural that maybe something is offered by them. In the States, when you go to a, to a diner, they will ask you up front how many checks you're going to make. So you know from the get-go who is going to be paying and who isn't. And so then maybe the waitress would be coming to the table and she would be saying, okay, so how many checks am I making? And immediately it would be like three. So we would be going at a dinner and I would be paying for mine. I would mind until a certain extent because, again, I wasn't part of the family. But for the exchange students, it felt awkward because they said, she's your host mom. And it felt very stingy. It felt very unnatural. But I do also understand you're having someone come along for two, three days, it can't be really expected that I am not paying for anything, for instance, because I'm not even part of the family. But these very little bits of awkwardness here and there that hadn't really happened to me, but I do think that it really varies from family to family. For instance, I will never forget in the first host family that we had, when we had gone grocery shopping the first week, and it was all within the context of uh, you're like our daughters, we care about you like our daughters, you're basically part of the family. We went grocery shopping and we had to pay for our groceries. And I remember then me and like the other exchange student got pissed because 
little girls were, were eating our food. I remember that. So it's not something that is a given. The families are not paid to host you, so they don't have any income because of this. But it is still weird because you think, nobody asked you to host me. So if you're going to host someone, if the whole point is making you feel as part of their family and so on, it doesn't really seem very natural that a 16-year-old has to be paying for their own groceries, for their own food. I'm sure that the girl wasn't paying for her own groceries, but it was a very awkward situation in which we were finding ourselves because they were paying everything separately as a girl strip where they were paying things separately, whereas we were paying things separately as in, okay, but what is going on here? <laughs> so that was a bit weird. But at least we had each other, and every excuse was a nice excuse to go on a trip, and so we did have a good time. There were just like these little bits here and there of awkwardness, and I couldn't really understand how she was getting along with the mom, how the situation was. Everything was still relatively new for her as well. But this was the first trip that I had done out of it. There was this one episode that I want to say, because it's my podcast, I can talk about it, I am very conscious about what I am saying because I don't want to disrespect anyone. But then at the same time, I'm thinking, dear Lord, I did that when I was 16 and that was not safe and that was not okay. So if they made me do it, I am allowed to say it. I think I'm making it a lot worse in your heads than it actually is. Or maybe we'll see. You will see. So basically, there's this faithful day, day two, day three. At this point, it was already very uncomfortable for this thing of the check situation that we were paying. There was this one time that one of the friends had offered to pay a dinner for us. And we were like, oh, thank you. This is very nice, very nice. We thanked her. <laughs> and then we went back home. And after, I think, two hours, the host monk came up to us and she's like, you know, I think you should pay my friend back because, you know, she really needs the money. And we're like, but she, but she offered to pay the dinner for us. Like, nobody forced her to do it. So again, there was this like really super weird situation that, that occurred. And so at the point, we're like, okay. And so we pay her back. And th this person didn't even say anything. She said thank you. And she got the money back after she offered to pay for our dinner, which was very awkward. So this was the, the situation we were in. They had gone down with two cars. So we were at that point, uh, the host mom, three friends, the exchange student, and then me. So we were six people the specific day they wanted to go to the mall and me and my friend were super excited but we were supposed to go all to the mall together so we get ready we go towards the car and one of the friends of the mom says i don't really want to drive my car and we didn't really know what to do we were looking at them like yeah bitch but we're six so yeah six five someone needs to take a car it's like yeah i don't know like i don't really feel like paying gas i don't want to take a car so then the host mom goes okay one of you get in the trunk. The trunk. Oh my god. Oh my god, this is coming back to me so much. The trunk, for people who are not from the States, because there's something that they say only in the States. The trunk is the boot of the car. Get it? So we were six people, and they wanted someone to get into the trunk of the car. We were looked at them and we were like, you're joking, right? Like, and we were so shocked. And we're like, come on, you're not going to be paying more gas just because there's one more of you. One of you get into the trunk. I saw that my friend, oh my god, bless her, my friend was mortified. My friend was absolutely mortified at what was happening. There wasn't an option. We couldn't choose to say no and be like, no, I'm not going, I'm staying home. I mean, I could have, but again, I was 16, like, what the hell do I know? Like, adults, adults at this point had proposed for a minor to get into the trunk of the car and to drive what ended up being an hour on the highway. An hour on the highway to go to a mall. 
And I need to specify, it wasn't a closed trunk. It was a trunk. It was open behind, so I wasn't, like, closed in a trunk. But, jeez, I mean, that is not okay. That is not normal that you would expect that, that you would ask someone that you don't even know. And I'm going to play the foreign country card that comes from a foreign country <laughs> to sit into the trunk of a car without a seat belt, without a seat, just wobbling around on a freeway of all places for an hour drive. That is not okay. And that is not normal. But I did it, because what other choice did we have? So I get into the trunk of the car. We do this hour. Me and my friend in complete silence because we were so mortified that that had happened. She wasn't looking at me, I wasn't looking at them. We weren't talking, like we were just so mad. We got to the place. They basically ruined the whole shopping day for us because we spent the whole afternoon being like, what the hell just happened? And now we have to do that on the way back as well. And one of the friends had the audacity, the audacity to say after that, oh, oh God, I should have, should have got in my car. Like, I wanted to leave now. Well, but... Oh, oh my god, if I think back to that, that was such a horrible... People can do worse things, I do understand that, but again, within the context, that's a really fucked up thing to do. So yeah, that was Phoenix for you, <laughs> and then the whole time my host dad was texting me, he was like, hey, how's it going, it's okay? And we were like, um, yeah, I guess, it's okay. I think I told him afterwards, like I told him, it's like, listen, yeah, they did this, they were very weird, and it's like, okay, that's fucked up, but you can do much about it. I bought a very nice dress. That's what I remember out of that trip. And we had a lot of frozen yogurt. So that those are the things that I want to remember out of that trip. But yes, needless to say, I got to understand what she was going through. That things weren't going very well, but she wasn't really speaking about it. And we got very close because of that. This was the trip. But yeah, you got to see other family struggles. And I feel like with the other exchange students, I didn't have that much that experience. But in, in general, the three of us were very close. There was also another exchange student. She was a sophomore, which is very young, and she spoke not a lot of English. And she was the sweetest person, really. She was super, super nice. And we had a completely different relationship. To me, like, I think she was the most sincere, honest person, exchange student that I had met there. I don't know why I'm saying all of this, because I'm not even making names. But anyways, I felt like I wanted to digress on the exchange student aspect. We get to the end of February. Now, there was this thing that came up with the agencies. You had the opportunity to go on a discovery tour. Basically, a fancy-fancy way to say, we're going on a holiday and you're spending a shit ton of money to see a place in the States with other exchange students. So that was the appeal, that you would get to go on a trip and it was only exchange students in the beginning of March. And I was thinking about where I would like to go. talked about it with my parents and... I think there was only California, only Arizona, only Florida, and only Massachusetts. But then there was another option. There was an opportunity to go to Hawaii. And when I saw that, I thought, wow, that would be amazing. That would be beautiful. That would be incredible. And objectively, it would be more convenient to do it once living in the States than whenever I would be going back to Europe. So I remember trying long and hard to try to convince my parents to be like, this would be such a great opportunity. But it ended up being a truly, truly, truly magical trip. It was a bit awkward because this was actually, I think, two weeks before the scheduled spring break. And by the time I was doing a lot of trips, so there were a lot of excuses with my parents coming and with Hawaii, and then there would have been spring break. I was missing a lot of school. So I remember that towards the end of February, someone was making jokes about the fact that I wouldn't be able to graduate because I was missing too many days of school. 
And I had missed many days of school because the first semester I was sick a lot. I didn't like skip school, but I was feeling very sick. And I didn't know, I thought it was like a problem that actually they had to be justified by parents and I had completely forgot to ask my host that because of that, but obviously he went to attest and certify all of this stuff. And then it wasn't clear, but I remember they were saying, oh, you know, if you have too many absences, you can't even graduate altogether. And I remember thinking, oh God, now I'm missing all these days of school because I went on all these trips. And now that I'm finally getting better, like my grades are getting better and things are getting into a routine and I keep leaving. And I feel like every time that I'm leaving, I'm always missing out on something. So we get towards the end of February. And I remember my leaving was marked by so much guilt around this. The other exchange students weren't going on any discovery tour, so I was the only one who was missing school to go on a holiday. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my parents are coming to visit me. It was like, no, I'm just going to Hawaii. So already that felt very awkward because it was obviously an expensive trip. And then at that point, there were a lot of conversations around, are you rich? That's something that they would ask us a lot. Are you rich? Like, what does rich even mean? I mean, obviously, it's apples and oranges. Like, it's something that has to be put on different frames of reference. But yeah, they were, there were a lot of these weird jokes, comments, uncomfortable conversations around the fact that basically we were rich kids who were doing a lot of trips. You know, it's weird because it's not your money, it's your parents' money, and then you're there and you don't really know how to justify, if you should justify, how you should explain things, why you should explain things in the first place. So everything is starting to be a bit marked around this guilt. I was very reluctant about leaving because was the first time that I felt, okay, what if I'm going to miss this week and whatever is going to happen this week? And then prom was going to start to come up. And I don't know. It just, yeah, it felt a bit stuffy. It felt a bit, a bit forced in the time frame. Like everything was happening too fast. But anyways, I had decided to go. I was leaving with this girl, the sophomore, my Russian friend. And um, then I was leaving with another guy who was another exchange student. But they went to another high school. So I left with this Russian girl and with this Danish guy. We're basically sleeping over at the coordinator's house the night before. And then she drove us to the airport. At this point, the Russian exchange student started having a lot of issues with her host family as well. So the coordinator took her out of the house and she took her into her house. So by the time that we were going to Hawaii, the Russian girl was living with the coordinator. And the coordinator, for some reason, got into this entirely different state of mind. She was super chill. We were there. I remember she was saying, you know, you guys can drink if you want. If you want to smoke, I have no problems. I am cool. I am chill. And I remember just looking at her and being like, what are you talking about right now? This is not you. Like, what the hell changed? For some reason, the coordinator now was in a very chill, you guys can do everything that you want kind of thing. And nobody wanted to believe her at that point. So we slept over that night after we left for Hawaii. Up until I got on Hawaiian Airlines, I did not realize I was actually going to Hawaii. And I was like, holy shit, I'm actually going to Hawaii. I cannot believe it with all these students. And regardless of this very stressful week before leaving, I was in this adjustment period. I was in this recovery period where everything made sense. Everything felt more normal. You're in a really good mental space. So we get to Hawaii. And thank God there wasn't the time to realize what was going on, as usual, <laughs> for every experience for me. It just hits you and you feel like you're in a honeymoon period all over again. You're surrounded by this just huge group of kids that are your age, that are exchange students like you, people who identify 
and where everyone is thrown into different high schools all over the states. Some people maybe didn't even have other exchange students. You're finally in this place, which is the most beautiful place in the world, and all these students, and you're there to basically do nothing for a week uh, with people who are part of the organization. They take you around, you do trips. It was heaven on earth. It was the most beautiful experience of my life. I think to this day, the best trip of my life. And I do not like the agency I went with. Like every time they ask me, would you go, what was your experience with them? I always say, I had a really bad experience. Although I do know that a lot of people had good experiences. It's a matter of luck. But that trip, oh God, that trip was the best trip, the best organized trip. The chaperones were amazing. We were in our hotel rooms. I loved the roommate that I was with. It was like floating on air. Everything was so perfect that even if I were to go back to Hawaii ever, no way I would be able to relive it in the mindset at that point. You just look around and you think, holy shit, we've made this. Obviously, you talk about the experience abroad. You talk about the hardships. You talk about the things that you've gone through. You're surrounded by this amazing scenery. You're doing all these trips and stuff. And then you just realize, I am amazing having done all of this having endured all of this and you also get to a place where you feel like very cocky as well like you feel so cool compared to your high school friends in the states compared to your friends back at home it's just a hype week and this is how i would remember it and it was so nice to be able to identify with other kids to be able to talk about these experiences to be able to enjoy it to be able to have a moment of celebration The people who have organized these discovery tours, they really thought well as to when to place this trip. The fact that they did it in March is just so perfect because it's that moment, that pivotal moment where you just think to yourself and you're like, not only I've managed to survive the worst, I am thriving right now. And it's basically a celebration week. I won't go into the details of the trip within itself. For me, the thing that sticks with me is the fact that You go from having your two, three exchange students, and it's a matter of luck who you end up with. Some people like them, some people don't. To being surrounded by all these exchange students, you have the choice, basically, to hang out with who you really want to hang out with, and exchange stories and encouragement. And when we left at the end of the week, we were so heartbroken that we had to leave. It felt like we had known each other for years And it really like killed Elizabeth inside that we had to leave each other. And I'm still friends with with some people to this day. Just absolutely well worth it. (laughs) Worth the money, worth the guilt, worth risking not to graduate. It was worth all of it. Okay, we're over the hump. Hawaii, you're over the hump in all senses. You're over the hump of the year abroad. You're over the hump of your personal realizations, of your struggles, everything. But you're also kind of over the hump school-wise like then everything goes by really fast so the second I got back home there was spring break so I think I I don't even think I did any school at that point I basically took all March off because then spring break happened and spring break was exactly as long as fall break Hawaii was from the 1st to the 8th of March then spring break started around mid-March 14th of March we leave again and we go to the to California this time Um, my host mom was the one who had just started a new job and she wasn't able to come with us on the trip. So we did a trip, me, my host dad and my two little sisters, and we went to see his family again. Uh, This time was a more family-oriented trip than just LA. And we went to Stockton, to Modesto, that's where his family is from mainly, and then we went to LA again, and we also went to San Francisco. And it was a really beautiful trip. 
me and the dad are very much on the same wavelength and there was a lot more comfort around going around places. So uh, we were staying, I got to meet his brother, got to meet his sister. I met his sister once again. I got to see his family. Uh, We stayed at his dad's house. I got to see parts of California that I wouldn't have usually seen in normal circumstances because they're not the touristy parts. And I got to actually meet with a girl. There was this girl that I had met when I was in Hawaii and we actually got to meet two weeks after we had met, not even. California will always have a special place in my heart as well. The very dope thing about being in the place that I was is that it wasn't only an experience that was limited to the state that I found myself in, but it was extended to all the other places that I could have gone to. I'm saying, this town, very tiny, it has so much potential, so much stuff could be done around it. It's a very, very strategic point. So this was the first trip to California. I say first because, lo and behold, once I go back home, I get invited to go on a second trip with my exchange student friend and her host mom. Again, the dad wasn't present on these trips. I don't think I really thought about it that much because it was so cool, first and foremost, to go on a trip, to be with my friend. The mom was going with some friends and we were just tag-alongs, basically. And we got to go to San Diego, so that was really cool. We were a bit unlucky with the weather. The weather was a bit shit, but it was still a, a more doable experience than Phoenix, in my opinion. And we got to see a lot more. We went to the zoo. We went whale watching and there were no whales. (laughs) We're a bit unlucky in that sense. But that was the 25th of March. So really it was one week after that. I was like, bam, bam, bam. All these trips that were happening one after the other, which were very overwhelming. Spring break finishes with March. March is basically a month that's literally only dedicated to going to trips. My recovery was, it was a bit like a patch because... I didn't really have time to adapt completely, given that March was such an overwhelming, new, jam-packed with experiences kind of month. But April brings a new season, brings a new vibe, and we enter into the final phase. Adaptation. New season. New season in all senses. Spring has sprung. New decisions had to come about. I had done the entire winter season without doing any sports. Did not regret it one bit because I am absolute crap at sports, but I did miss the novelty of that. I did miss the friends that I could make through these experiences. So I was thinking, okay, can there be a way that I can participate in the sports without actually participating in the sports? And then I found a loophole. The way that you can manage to go on all the meets, miss all the classes, because you miss a lot of classes when you go on the meets, and you get to hang out with the people, but you don't actually have to do the physical effort and you don't have to feel like, There's a group relying on you, and if you fail, you're going to be booed to death, is one. You become the manager. And that's exactly what I did. Me and my exchange student friends decided to become managers. So we were managers for track and field, and it was so cool. It was so, 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 so cool. It was a really fun part of the experience, because at that point, we knew all the athletes. So basically... You just see everyone from the swim team to the cross-country team to the football team. Everyone just became part of the track and field team because there were so many specialties that were included in that. And so I would find my friends from government class, from economics, from ceramics. It seems like a moment where everything just comes together. Manager is the easiest thing. You literally do not do shit. You waste a lot of time at school. Like You do the same three-hour practice after lunch. 
but you're just there, you're there with your little notepad, you're basically writing down measurements, but you got to go on all the meets with them. And in the track and field season, I managed to solidify some friendships that I already had, and I managed to meet some new people. And ironically, to this day, they are my closest friends. So as I said, I had this friend that I was close with. She was more individual type. And then I got to meet another person, another two people that were like that. One of them was on the track and field. I then realized that she was a close friend with the exchange student. And I just remember it was a bit weird because I had the tendency to always introduce the exchange students to their friends, but I always felt that that wasn't really done that much in return. And so I got to meet them. And there was this girl. And she was super nice. She lived really close to me. And we just, sometimes you just click all together and we hit it off really well. In the beginning, it was always within the context of track and field. So if we would be going out, we were going out as a group, we would meet with other people. But then it just got, we just got closer and closer and we started doing a lot more things together. Same thing happened with this other guy that wasn't on the track and field team, but he was friends with the exchange students and even with him like we got to be a bit more closer we got to talk and we would just really hit it off i don't know if there maybe there was a sense of jealousy of not wanting to introduce people i'm not really sure because i always did very much my thing so we'd had no friends in common usually when we would meet with the exchange students we would meet as exchange students with exchange students nothing more than that so we got to be a bit more together we shared new experiences in the context of being seniors. Then at a certain point, it dawns on you, you're like, okay, I'm actually graduating soon. <laughs> and April is a very overwhelming month in that sense. Basically, a lot of things are closing. And it was weird because for me, as much as things were closing, for me, things were opening up again. I was meeting new friends. I was having new experiences. It felt like everything was kind of starting up. But within the context of we are one, we are seniors, and we're going to graduate. So one of the experiences that I remember at the point was a thing called Senior Ditch Day. So the whole point was to not go to school. And we had plans and we went to get our nails done and all that. In the meantime, given that graduation was coming up the following month, there was also another pressing issue, which was prom. I had people interested in me, as I said, in the beginning, especially everyone wants to meet you, everyone wants to get to know you, but I feel like everyone was just so overwhelming for me, and I hadn't gotten to that level of comfort, I was like, yeah, oh my god, and to me it was already so incredible that I had all these girlfriends with guys, I was always still <laughs> very um, anxious about it, like, I, the reputation and the rumors as something that would spread really quick. And if you didn't really know the person, you don't know how that will play out. So I knew, like I'd met a couple of guys and we used to hang out and I had guy friends. But when it would come on to you, it would always be in a very too direct and too aggressive, like for me. But for Senior Ditch Day, that actually coincided when all the, um, all the promposals were starting. I've seen my share of promposals. I did not expect that people did stuff like that. I saw it on videos on Facebook, but... To create something so big out of nothing, I always found it very weird. So the big proposals were made by people who were already in a couple, and so they would do these like big announcements in front of everyone with their banners and all that stuff. I was talking to a guy that I had met, I think at the beginning of the school year. I could sense that something was going towards that direction that he might ask me, and <laughs> I remember. 
I felt so nervous and I didn't know what to do because there was always, again, this sense of comparison with other people and with other exchange students. And I started feeling guilty. There were these moments where I would be feeling guilty if I wouldn't hang out with them, if I wouldn't be doing things with them. And I would be seeing that they were more planning on doing something in a group. And so I was thinking, okay, do I really want to go to prom with this guy that I don't really know? Like, it's not like I'm friends with his friends. Like, I'm really only talking to him. I don't know him. Do I really want to take the risk? And then I remember I was in the car. We had gone grocery shopping. Those were where the biggest talks happened with my dad. And he told me, you know, like, this is not something that you want to miss out on. It's an experience that you want to do. So, yeah, we were talking, but I remember I was, I was super, super nervous that something was going to happen. And on senior ditch day, I remember he had texted me to meet. And we had met outside of the school. Everyone was meeting in the parking lot of the school, but no one was actually going to school. That was the whole point. And he was like waiting outside of the school. And it was a very normal, I I don't like cheesy things. They make me very uncomfortable. He just like had a Starbucks frappuccino or something like that with written prom on it. And it was very sweet. And that was it. So I said yes. And I remember senior ditch day because of that, because it was a I have my senior friends, I have my plans, I have my date from for the prom, I feel like I'm fully into the high school experience. So we go get our nails done, it was a really nice day, and that was that. Prom happened soonish after, so I think by this point we are towards the end of April, and I have to go buy my prom dress. I had gone to buy my homecoming dress on a trip to Vegas with other girls from school, But my prom dress instead was something that I did with my host mom. In the beginning, it was rough with the mom, but it really, really got better as we got to know each other more. There wasn't a specific pivotal moment that changed things, but for me, seeing my mom calmed me down a lot. When I got to see my mom, it's like I got my fix, in a sense. And it was in a much better mindset in general, so things were going on. And we were getting along, I mean, we weren't the best of friends, but there was a lot more explaining and the loss less awkward confrontations out of nowhere. So we were actually having more open conversations. And I think when I went to get the prom dress, I went only with her. This was the first thing that I had done only with her, without the kids, without anything. And we, got, we went to this place and we tried on different prom dresses. And then I found this one. It was like pink, like strawberry pink with all rhinestones, I guess. On the top of it, it was a really, really beautiful dress. And we get it, and we get these really obnoxiously big heels, silver heels. Oh god, I never wore them again, I still have them in my wardrobe. I still have my prom dress as well. And so we were ready, we were ready for prom. It's weird, I haven't brought up this memory in years, so it's weird to think of the day per se. I was a bit nervous because I was texting with this guy, but I don't think I had ever actually gone on a proper date with him. We had talked, but I wasn't friends with his friends. I knew them. In the school, everybody knows everyone, as in I've had an interaction with them at least once. I put them on the map, but no one really has a relationship. By the time that we were supposed to go to prom, I heard they were saying that he was a, like a bit of a goofy, and I started feeling like, oh God, what did I do? What are they going to think? I got into this real bad mindset of what is going to happen if, like nothing is going to happen. It was going to be a good time. But he came to pick me up, and this was the first time that I saw my host family in a very family mood, a very uncomfortable, weird, awkward scene of the movies. It really felt like a day in the movies where he pulled up in my driveway, he came up, he talked to my host dad and host mom, and my host dad was like really adamant about 
doing the whole stereotypish kind of thing. And he was like, I want to tell them something. And then they took pictures of us and he started taking multiple pictures. And I was so uncomfortable because I didn't know what this was about. It felt weird that was actually happening. Then we get into the car, we talk a little bit, and uh, his friends had like a photo shoot or something planned in this like golf course. And I didn't really know his friend. It was him, his best friend, and the girlfriend of his best friend. Maybe I talked to them once. Like I really, <laughs> so it was a bit awkward because of that. I have never seen these pictures again. Would I like to see these pictures again? I don't even know if I want to see these pictures again because they were just so awkward where there was a photographer he had done this multiple times before everyone was getting their pictures taken there everyone was getting obviously their things nails hair done in the same places so we were always talking but the photo shoot was so awkward my god it was like okay girls sit on the lap of the guys okay do this okay do that and i never got to see them again and then we go to the prom which was in a casino because everything where i lived was in a casino you go to the bowling alley it's in a casino you go to cinema you go to dinner, everything was in the casino area, in Nevada, actually. And we get to the place, and the place is super big, and um, <laughs> it's, it's just weird because when you get to a point where you have all these little group of friends here and there, you don't have your gang, you don't have your group of people that you're going to meet when you get there. You just randomly, you're like, hey, hi, hey, hi. It's like the environment of high school, but you're not just like passing through. They're actually seeing you, they're actually seeing you with a date. So they have their person that they put you on a map, they place you on a map, and they're trying to see how you guys coincide together. So <laughs> get to prom, and it was a really enjoyable night. Like, it was nice. My, my dad was right. Homecoming, it makes sense that you do it with friends, but prom is an experience that you want to do with a date. I don't remember the night that much, per se. Um, it was very blurry, because other things happened. So obviously there was a lot of security from like the the school staff to check if people had smuggled alcohol which of course they did because come on but like full bottles of vodka and so some people got some home it's it was all a situation i was dancing with the guy was speaking with the guy but the guy again had his group of friends i knew them but i really wasn't friends with them so i would be always going back and forth and then we were dancing and then at a certain point i don't know where i heard this but this was oh this was like the epitome of the night Someone had told me that they had heard a rumor going around that my date wanted to have sex with me on prom night. And I just remember thinking, I wasn't even offended by that because I found it so funny. It was so surreal. This was the first full-on experience that I was having in the States that really felt like being in a scene or movie in all senses. And so to me, I just found it not even absurd. I just found it so hilarious that... I was living that in real time. So Tim was like, oh my god, am I part of a movie or something? Like, what is going on? Nothing had happened. And actually, I think I spent 50% of my prom night in the bathroom because the exchange student from Russia was in a really bad funk. I don't know what had gone on. I don't know if someone had insulted her. I really do not remember what had happened. But she spent pretty much all prom night in the bathroom. And I was just trying to think, like, what the hell went on? And no one was giving a shit. Girls were going in the bathroom, like, hey, hey, how are you doing? Bye. And I just felt too bad because, like, I can't just leave her there. But at the same time, I was seeing, like, in the uh, I was hearing the music that was going on. And then also I had a date. So I was feeling weird because I didn't know how to balance back and forth. So it was literally, like, just, like, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes I would leave him with his friends and I would go to the bathroom, see how she's doing, coming back, going in, going out. 
And at this other party, I remember I was talking to her, she was crying, and there was this song, which is one of those dance songs that you do together. I think it was... To the right, to the right, to the right, to the right, to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left. Na kick, na kick, na kick, na kick, na walking by yourself, na walking by yourself. I don't remember how it was called, but anyways, that one. And I really wanted to do like the group dance and I couldn't do it because she was there. Eventually she calmed down, I went back to my date. It was kind of good in hindsight that I was a bit split because I didn't want to be with him all the time. He was with his friends. And I don't know, I just wanted to be with mine and I wanted to do my own thing. So it was cool. There was a bit of this ambivalence of an evening. And it went by really quick because in reality, the prom itself starts super early and it ends super early. And then afterwards, obviously, you go to a big party, which I could not go to. Like I could go to, but I didn't want to because I didn't want to risk having problems and being sent home. I'm a very, very goody-goody. So he drove me, he drove me back. And instead of going back to my house... There was this girl that I had told you that I met at track and field that I had gotten very close to. And the Swedish exchange students went to her house after prom. And they were, they were saying, okay, we're just going to be there if you want to come and chill. And I ended up going there. And so he drove me home. He was really, really nice. Like, we had a really, really nice night. And it was a very enjoyable experience. It was a nice date, but that was it. And I go into this house of this friend. I'd never been to her house before. It was a very welcoming and comfortable and homey environment. So that was my prom. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. Prom was beginning of May, was the 11th of May. And soon after was the last day of school because seniors would end a week before everybody else did. Everything was such in a hurry. Everything was happening all together. We actually have our last day of school and... It's weird. It's such a surreal experience. Luckily, grades-wise, like I feel like once you get into the mindset of understanding how you need to deal with your assignments, what you need to study, what you need to give priority to, school was very easy and it was just like going in the background once the state exam was done and all those things. But how do you handle that? How do you handle the fact that you've created this reality and this reality is all like coming to an end? We get to the last day of school. It really represented like the great outcome that was school. The last day of school, obviously nobody was studying. It was just saying goodbye. We had a yearbook. I had my page on the yearbook as the exchange student. You're just going around and you're signing everybody's yearbook and they write all these beautiful things. You're like, wow, wow, what's really you think this of me? And you find out afterwards what people thought. They'd be like, oh, you know, I wanted to be your friend, but it just seemed like, you know, you were one of the popular kids. I was like, when? <laughs> I had no friends. It's like, oh, you know, I wanted to be your friend, but you know, you were a bit intimidating. Intimidating? Like, I'm, I'm five foot one. What do you mean intimidating? You're just saying bye to everyone, crying, hugging everyone, talking to all the teachers. It was so, so nice. And we had already picked up our cap and gown. My gown was gold. And it was so surreal to think that that was actually happening. Graduation came... And I think graduation is such a big deal, not that much for you in itself, but for the family that has hosted you. I really do think it's a celebration of the parents and of the family rather than you graduating. I don't think when you are there, you're really realizing what's going on. I will never forget my economics teacher said, guys, you walk on that podium, you pass there, and then 
you got like 10 years of your life that will flash ahead of you. Like everything goes by so quick. And now like, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was absolutely right. I remember I was very nervous because you have a practice before. You have a practice round of how you need to walk, when they're going to call you, when you're supposed to pass. And I was scared that I was going to mess it up. And so you do the practice, I think, the day before. And then you have the day of. And we were in this gigantic place. I don't even know how it would be categorized, but it was like this huge arena type thing. And I had my gown. I had my friends. You walk across the stage. You take the picture. You got your family there. It's a gathering of everyone. You're meeting everyone. You're meeting all your friends. You're taking all these pictures. You have graduation goggles, as they call them. So you just reminisce on everything that has been. And you forget that there was ever a time where things weren't going well. Towards the end, it was never as high as the honeymoon period, as I said, but everything was high after high after high. Everything was just so... Everything just went by so fast from from March onwards, end of, end of the year abroad. You would think that graduation would mark the end of the year abroad. But to me, that was the adaptation. But the adaptation to me comes with a different feel to it once school is over. I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to actually stay longer than after my graduation because I got to see myself in the context of my town, in the context of my friends, of my environment, of the society I was finding myself in, outside of the constriction of school. So what happens when you are there, but you're not meeting these friends just because you're meeting them in class? Who actually wants to hang out with you? Who wants to do things with you? Everyone was there for the summer still. I ended up staying there until the end of June. So at this point, graduation day was on the 22nd of May. 22nd of May, and soon after, like immediately after, I go to LA once again. This was my last trip that I did, and this time I go by plane because I had gotten really close with Jason's sister, who was the makeup artist in LA. And when we had met, I think we met both in October and in March, if I'm not mistaken, and she had told me, no, you should, we should absolutely organize a trip. I want to fly you out here. I think we would have a great time. And to me, that was like, oh God, I could not even believe it. I was so overexcited. To me, she just represented everything I wanted to be, everything I wanted to do, the lifestyle that I wanted to have. So we actually managed to organize this and I went to visit her. And at that point, she had just adopted a baby girl. So the experience was very different because when I had met her, she was single and now she was a single mother and she had this very little girl. And obviously that had a different feel on what the experience was and how we could move around and what we could do. But it was just so comfortable with her. Like I never had a moment where I was feeling weird. She really made me feel like part of the family and it was only me and her. I think we had met like one member of the family once for dinner, but it was such a, a beautiful ending to my experience with California because then by this time I had been to California in October, in March, and then I went again in June. I also like to think of that not exactly as home, but it's still an extension of what my experience was and what my home was, given that half of the family also lived in California. So we had this really nice trip and this was the last trip that I did and it was my first solo trip and I felt so cool and independent. It was just building on the person that I created and how cool I thought that I was and how cool the experience was. When I went back, I was soon 
going to be the only exchange student left. It felt surreal, but it also felt liberating in a sense. Like it felt, okay, this is only me. And really as not the exchange student, that was the only thing I was aiming for at that point. I was quite close to this guy friend and this girlfriend, and we ended up being a trio. We went from like zero to a hundred, we would be going out all the time, we'd be organizing all these things. And I remember there was this day, those moments were like, oh, this probably could have never happened like during school time. But we go out and we have a good time. And then I get injured. Like, I don't know, like I fall over, but I like, trip over when I'm walking on the pavement. I'm very clumsy. And I get injured and then I have to start going around Walmart with an ice pack on my knee. You know, they have those carts at Walmart, which I always wanted to drive. So I was very excited about that. And then that evening, there was this first screening of this very famous movie that came out that summer. And we went to the movie theater and all of my high school was there, basically. It was so much fun. And then afterwards, we took out like the pickup truck of my friend. We went to the desert. We just spent the entire night outside looking at the stars, talking about our dreams, what our expectations were of the future, just living and commenting on life. And it just felt like the most perfect moment. I remember there was a time also for the Germans exchange students last night. Also, we did like a movie, a movie thing in the desert. And it was so weird because there wasn't a set group of friends, but every once in a while there would be someone tagging along, someone being there or not. And there was also this guy that I'd gotten very close with when my dad wasn't taking me all the time. We had found out there was a guy living very close to me. And so my dad said, okay, see, we can do an arrangement. I can pay for gas and if he takes you back from school, given that it's on the same route. And so we ended up going back home together every day and he would take me out like in this empty parking lot and I would go driving. And so he started to tag along a bit more. And then one friend would bring another friend, another friend would bring another friend. It just, everything happened in a very organic way. It's like me and my two friends, we were the trio, we were like the center of it. And then every once in a while, someone would bring some, some person. And it was the group of friends that I was hoping to have the entire time that I was there. And I got to have it at the end. And I remembered all the conversations were around, oh my God, I really wish I had met you earlier. I should have met you sooner, should have met you sooner. But then every time we're like, okay, it's still, it's, it's, it's worth it. And to me, it was something that always ended up defining my experiences abroad. We did a last month of trips in general. So there was the trip that I done to California. That was only me, my first solo trip. And then with the family, we did one last trip to Vegas and was all the family together. Soon enough, though, I left on the 19th of June. So it seems like a time frame, we're talking about a matter of two weeks, but it was two weeks filled with everything and anything and going out. And I was all the time outside of the house. There was also a bit of guilt in that sense because I should be with my family, but at the same time, my family was working and my sisters were so young. So I couldn't really do that much with them either. So we would maybe like dedicate more time for dedicated trips and family trips together. We soon get to the last goodbyes. So I was having these individual meetings <laughs> with all my friends. I really loved that I had the time to individually thank every single person that was in my life. And they all represented a big part of me. And I really didn't want to leave it as, okay, I was friends with you guys at the beginning, but then who cares afterwards? Like I wanted everyone to know that they, they were all little components of my experience. And I still had that sense that I really wanted to leave a mark and selfishly, I hoped that I had left a mark in their lives as well. Very cheesy, I know, but that's how I felt. The last week, the mom of my host had come over and I didn't have any really relationship with the mom. 
But I remember this was the day before I left. She had asked me to babysit the kids and I was inside and I was in my room and I hadn't really paid attention to to the baby girl. And then at a certain point she just lashed out at me. She got mad. She was like, oh, because you don't care what other people do. Uh, you just care about yourself and you're too distracted. And she just like came, she lashed out at me. And I remember feeling like, why? Why did you have to say this? And I was so heartbroken. Not that much for what she had said, because to be honest, I think she was right in part. Like, I was taking care of the kid, and I think like at a certain point, I wasn't paying attention because I was in my room, I was getting ready to go out. And she got mad at me because she had asked for me to take care of her, and I had kind of ignored her. But the fact that she had lashed out at me, kind of saying all these things together, it was like, you always do this, do this, this and that. And she had never told me these things before. And she was doing it on the last day that I was there. My host family was not there. I was super overwhelmed and sad. And I didn't know how to react because like, why are you saying this thing to me? I didn't know what to say. Like in in part, like in hindsight, she was right for that specific episode. But she just like kind of like threw all the stuff on me for past things that had happened. And I didn't have a relationship with her. Like I had seen her more times, but still. So I just like started crying so bad. I had finished packing. I was like so, so sad. And I asked my friend to come pick me up. She comes pick me up. I go to her house. I start bawling. And there was this very awkward moment. So then I remember that the, the, the dad, as usual, had to be a bit of the mediator. And then like he picks me up. We went home. We had a conversation. The grandma had apologized to me. And then we went out all to dinner. But I just remember it was so awkward because to me in my head it was like, okay, you can even hate me. It was like, why couldn't you have waited one day? <laughs> like I was going to go back home the following day. So it really wouldn't have made a difference. So we have the last dinner with the family. And you don't really know what to say at that point. Like it's not a reminiscing on the good old days. Like I don't think you managed to process the fact that you're actually going to leave and you're going to leave for good. They were used to me at the point leaving because I had done trips I had gone on many different things. So the, so I think in their head, they were used to me being away. And I remember always feeling very guilty about that as well, because I was like, should I have stayed more home? Should I have spent more time with my family? Should I have done stuff? But I think every family has their own way of working with things. And with mine, it was more having fewer moments together, but those moments being of quality time. Because objectively, they were a family. The kids were very young. They couldn't really move much and they were both working. So regardless I wasn't really missing out and we weren't really doing things together so it was much more special having those dedicated moments to be together and to spend that time together consciously and presently and I think that's something that I carry with me now as well like that's my way of thinking of things I don't like very much getting lost into spending time together just for the sake of saying that we spend time together to me everything has to kind of be done with a purpose so I've never thought of, of that that way, but now I just realized that that's something probably that I get from the way that my family environment over there worked. So there was this quote that was coming up a lot and we would be sending to each other and it was very representative of the last moments that you get of your year abroad. This quote of Azar Nafizi that says, you get a strange feeling when you're about to leave a place. Like you not only miss the people you love, but you'll miss the person you are now, at this time and this place. Because you'll never be this way ever again. And that really, really resonated with me. And I think it's very representative of what goes through the mind of an exchange student when they're towards the end. You have done this. You have gone through all this challenge. You have created all of this. And then at a certain point, it's going to go all the way. Like 
nothing has ever happened, you know who you are when you are back home. And many times, at least for me, I didn't want to be that person that I was back home. I was terrified to the idea of going back home and just being this person. And we're like, okay, we're picking up where we left off from. And it's a very unsettling feeling. You don't know what is going to go on. But I think like the last days in your hometown, that's the last issue. That's something that happens more when you're actually on the flight back home. In that moment, you're just trying to soak up everything you can get. So we have this uncomfortable conversation. We have this dinner. She had apologized to me, but to me, like I don't manage to get over things like that quick. So still, it was a bit of an uncomfortable dinner. And family goes to bed and I go to my friend's house. So again, there was a trio. And then we decided to do like a goodbye party-ish at my friend's house. And we had this whole thing planned. I had a bucket list of things that I wanted to do before I went back home. Like go shooting and go out in the desert at night. uh, Watch the sunset. I went shooting, by the way. I went shooting with my friend's uncle. It was a very fun experience. Just like a lot of things with our cliche American things. And one of them was having breakfast for dinner. So we had breakfast for dinner. And then we went out in the desert. And we spent the entire night outside and I just remember being there I think that's why I'm so much into photography and taking videos because I really understand the the essence like of capturing that moment of being there and I do have a video of that last night in the middle of the desert and I just turn around and I'm having a look at that beautiful scenery and the mountains of the background for the very last time and it feels so overwhelming to think wow this is the last time that I'm actually going to see this And I have my friends laughing, and I'm laughing, and I just feel like I'm part of something so much bigger than me that I have created. I have done this entirely on my own. And to think, oh god, it's over. It felt so surreal, like it felt like a dream. Which, thankfully, thankfully it felt like a dream. So my friend drives me back home, crying, crying, crying. We're just like all sobbing so much. And I go to my family, and my family had just woken up by that time. I finished closing up my stuff and my host dad was going to bring me to the airport. My mom had to work. She had just started this new job so she couldn't take time off. My baby sister was a baby sister. was a bit of a problem. My sister was supposed to come with me. She was nine by that time. And she was like, no, I don't want to go. I want to go with my friends. I want to go to the pool. And I just remember feeling so broken. I was like, come on, you're never going to see me again. But obviously she didn't understand at that age. She didn't realize that she was actually not going to see me again. But I remember just feeling so heartbroken. I was like, why does she want to come with me? So we end up going only me and the host dad. We started together and we ended this trip together. So it was a very cathartic experience to be able to have this one last drive, just the two of us. So we say goodbye to the family and we go on this one and a half hour drive to go to the airport. I don't even know what we talked about. It was just so overwhelming and lots of silence and we had our music we had bread denim we had food that we picked up on the way that we ate in the car obviously and then we just get to the airport and it just felt weird you have all the stress of checking in i had so much stuff that to bring back home we're not very emotional people both me and him but it was nice to end it that way it was nice to end it with him and i get on the flight and i have this basically 18 hour journey to go back home It feels incredibly surreal. It feels incredibly weird to be able to do that. And then once I get home, I don't know what I feel. So I'm at the carousel. I'm picking up my suitcase. And at a certain point, someone taps me on the shoulder. And I turn around. 
and it's my brother because my brother had just come back from another city that same day and so we happened to be in the same place and I just burst crying and so we hug each other and then I go out and then there's my family waiting for me I had forced my sister to basically buy <laughs> to, to buy flowers and to do a banner because I saw that everyone was getting a banner and I knew that my family would have never done that so I was like Sarah banner you have to do banner flowers so they were out with the flowers and the banners and, and they were just like what the hell is this but I got to see my family again I hadn't seen my siblings in a year and yeah that was that we were on the ride home I remember we were speaking they were asking me questions I was responding and I was responding with a very strong accent and I remember my sister saying wow your English is really good because <laughs> obviously I had a different I had a different level of English for sure and it felt weird. I think like the aftermath is a bit of a blur. I was definitely scared of that, of just it being, okay, like it never happened. And to be honest, it was a bit like that because no one can really fully comprehend what you went through. And I remember I was talking about this with the mom of another friend of mine. She was in my same class back at home. She had done the year abroad as well. And she came back, I think a month later than I did. We went to the airport together to surprise her and to go pick her up. I remember when I had gotten back home, I was very overwhelmed. I didn't want to meet new people altogether. I just wanted to take it very slow, group by group. Because I was just not ready. Like, I still wasn't not ready to let go of myself. I really felt like I was letting go of me. And that was the most heartbreaking feeling. To me, it didn't exist a way in which I could just bring me, the new me, into this old environment. Because they just saw me, they were like, oh, you did this. Oh, wow, you did a year abroad. Okay, cool. Like, nobody gave a shit. Ob objectively, nobody gave a shit. But it's normal. I mean, they didn't do it. I did it. But to me, it's just like, I don't manage to pass on how important, how pivotal this experience was. Nobody was asking me that. So I had to kind of keep it to myself. But we were other exchange students who had done the year abroad, including this girl who had done it with me. We went to pick her up at the airport to surprise her. And I had, I think like two days prior when her mom had called me and she said, listen, we want to pick her up. Do you guys want to come? We can do a surprise. We got to talk and she was like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And I wasn't really being open with anyone. I was saying, I'm having a bit of a hard time. I feel like I've created this reality for me and now I came back and it's like nothing even ever happened. And there's nothing more heartbreaking because I assumed that when I would have gotten back home, they would have seen me different. They would have been like, oh, wow, you have a new personality, you have a new way of acting. But I guess then at a certain point, you always regress to who you are, to the things that you're used to. So that doesn't come out. And I remember the mom saying, the new you will come out when the opportunity arises, when you will have different confrontations, when you will have different challenges. That is when parts of your personality will be there. And... My God, that woman, <laughs> she was wise. It was absolutely true because then each time that there was an actual situation that was arising, something that the old me would have reacted in a very submissive way, I was very, I was very direct, maybe too direct. The thing is, this new person was taken out of me, but at the same time, I was rough around the edges a lot, <laughs> so... There was no me sugarcoating anything when I went back home. So there was a lot of clashes with my family, especially because I left one way and then I came back this very, like, not even rebellious, but just very harsh manner of acting towards my family. And I do realize that a lot more now. Remember, my mom and my sister, like, who are you? <laughs> but this is all part of it. These are maybe the things that are not spoken about. It is heartbreaking when you do something so young because you are really molding 
and new parts of your personality, you are really creating something from nothing and you do manage to see the magnitude of what you've created in a way that your coordinator, your host family, your friends are you're there, no one can understand how much resilience you have to have managed to get out of that on your own. Based on my experience, I don't think I can personally see myself ever living in the States, but it is something that will always have a special place in my heart. It feels a bit excessive to think that you've done one year of your life and then you see that that is part of you. But if the States and what the States represented were part of me even before I left, after I left, it's always something that I will feel familiar to me. There is a part of you that's always a bit there. It's always a bit different. Perhaps in the future we'll talk about how it feels like going back because it is a very different experience rather than doing the year abroad. But I would like to end it with this. If you are ever thinking about doing a year abroad and you think that you are unfit to do it, always take the opportunity. Like you will know in your heart if you're not ready to do something. Don't ever put yourself in a situation to do an experience abroad just because everybody else tells you to do it. But if there's something that appeals to you, if something as big and as challenging as the year abroad appeals to me, someone who was really, really shy and insecure, there will always be a way to get around it. And it scares me to think how I would be now had I not done the year abroad. It has changed everything for me and everything since. And I could not be more grateful. With the ups and downs, I do remember it as one of the most formative experiences of my life. And I'm not gonna lie, if you were to tell me would you do it all over again? Hell no, I would never have the emotional strength to do it again. But it's something that I look back on and I think, wow, I did all that at that age with that knowledge of the world? If I did that, I can do anything. So I'm gonna leave it at that for the time being. I will close it with this and I thank you so much for listening to <laughs> such an extensive recollection of what this experience was for me and I hope you've enjoyed it. I can't wait for you guys to hear what are the new projects that I have in store, many things that have been in my head for the longest time and it feels so fulfilling to be able to have taken this all out for you guys. Thank you so much for listening to our first series of the Exchange Year Abroad. See you next time.